Jewish audio on Chabad.org. So how many times a day do you believe a child breaks out into a smile? How many smiles a day does the average child have? The answer is 300. 300 times a day is the average amount of times that a child breaks out into a smile. Now here's the crazy one. How many times on average do adults smile each day? Are you ready for this, my friends? 20. Yes, indeed. That is the correct answer. 20 times a day. What's going on over here? Why is there such a huge discrepancy between the two? Are smiles 50% off for children? Why do we have to pay full price? What's the reason why adults tend to smile so much less than children? Here's another way to think about this. Why is it that if a child's crying, everybody in the room says, what's wrong? Is everything okay? But if a child is laughing, prancing around the room, doing a little dance, playing joyfully, that's normal. Nobody asks, is everything okay? Why you're happy? But interestingly, it's the exact opposite when it comes to adults. If an adult walks into the room with a big smile, you're like, is everything okay? Like, why are you dancing? Like, what's going on? If an adult's got a frown or moping around with sad eyes, that's normal. What's going on over here? Why are children so naturally happy while we adults struggle so much each day to find inner peace and joy? And I think this is a real issue that so many of us struggle with, especially as we begin a new year, a new school year, or other kinds of transitions. We have a very hard time. The reason why we have a very hard time is because we have this illusion of control and we think that we are fully in control of what's going to happen and therefore we have tremendous responsibility to make sure that everything will be okay. The fact that we worry so much about every single thing all the time is simply because we have a very hard time letting go and letting God. So today I am here to share with you that you have the ability to live joyfully to live happily. And the best way to do that is to embrace those four words that is written on the back of your dollar bill. And that is in God we trust. What does it mean trust? Trust doesn't just mean faith and belief. Trust means that I truly trust that I am in the hands of the one above and everything will be okay. And the moment you live that way, then while of course you do your part, and you do your due diligence to succeed and to achieve the results you're hoping for, ultimately you don't feel the entire responsibility. You don't feel an enormous responsibility on your shoulders to ensure that everything works out the best way. And that's the reason why children are happy, because children are dependent. Children totally rely on their parents and the trusted adults around them, and they're not worried. A child doesn't worry, what am I going to have for lunch? What am I going to have for dinner? Am I going to have clothes to put on this morning? Child knows I will be taken care of, and that's how we need to live our lives. We need to feel fully confident and trusted in God above. And when we live like that, everything is wonderful. We feel like we are continuously being embraced in the arms of our dear Father in heaven. And there's nothing to worry about. 
nothing to be concerned about. This is one of the powerful messages of a mitzvah in this week's Torah portion, the mitzvah of Shemitah, where God tells the Jewish people every seven years, I want you to forgive all loans that are owed to you. I want you to let go. Let go of all the debt that is owed to you. Trust God that He'll repay you and He will take care of you. And if you worry what's going to be with your money, how can you loan money if you're not going to get paid back? God says, don't worry. God will bless you in everything you do. Don't worry. Be happy. Trust in the one above. In God we trust. If you let go and let God, you will see how much happier you will be. And one of the best indications of real trust in God is when you don't put all your dependency on human beings around you and you trust that there's a master plan and everything will be okay. So I encourage you, my friends, to open up your heart as I share with you a powerful story that reminds you, a money-back guarantee, that if you follow this path of true trust and bitachon in the one above, then you will relieve yourself of the intense anxiety that you experience and you will feel inner happiness and security. Join me, my friends, as we go back a few hundred years ago in a small town in Eastern Europe. There was a Jew. His name was Chaim. Chaim was an honest and generous man. He earned his livelihood from renting an inn from the local landowner. He provided good service. His inn had a very good name, and it became a popular place for gatherings and lodging. Everybody loved to come to Chaim's inn. Now, the landlord was very happy with Chaim. And even though he wasn't a Jewish landlord, he was very kind to Chaim. Unlike many of the other landowners in Eastern Europe who were very cruel to their Jewish tenants, he actually appreciated Chaim, who was an honest person, always paid his rent and time, never caused any trouble. Life was great, smooth sailing for many years until one day everything changed. Chaim's life was seemingly shattered into pieces. It was one peaceful evening, there was a knock on the door, and it was the landowner's manager who approached Chaim as he was sitting there tending to his customers and his packed in, and said, Sir Chaim, I'm here to give you news. Not such good news. The landowner would like to speak with you. Chaim asked the manager, what's the reason for this? It has not yet come time to pay rent this month. But the manager said, I will not share any information with you, but come immediately with me to meet the landowner. Chaim, along the way, began to get worried and concerned. He couldn't think of a reason. Why would the landowner want to speak to me? He was feeling very uncomfortable and anxious as he made his way to the huge estate of the wealthy Polish landowner. When he arrived there, he was immediately taken in to the private office of the landowner, who told Chaim, I am very sorry, Mr. Chaim, but I have some unpleasant news for you. I just decided that I will not be renewing your lease, and you have 30 days to pack your belongings, take your family, and leave my inn. You will have to find another source of income, said the landowner to Chaim, who was standing there shocked. He began to reason with the landowner, asking him, what did I do wrong? Please reconsider. I always paid you on time. I've been a good tenant. What could this be all about? But the landowner was as stubborn as a stone. He said, I already made up my mind, and my decision is final. Please leave my chambers. Chaim left the room crying, broken to the core. He couldn't believe. How in the world will he be able to feed his family? 
what is going on over here? This doesn't make sense. In just one hour, he went from being at top of the world, comfortable, with money, with livelihood, with comfort and happiness, to a man left with nothing to his name, penniless and homeless. Chaim was shattered to the core. But what does a Jew do in a time like this? He decided it's time to pray, and it's time to receive a blessing from a tzaddik. For generations, Jewish people know that when you have a problem, you go to your Rebbe. You go to your spiritual leader. You go to the one who can give you advice and counsel and beseech heaven on your behalf. So sure enough, Chaim was a student and a chassid of the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, who was a great holy man. And he quickly traveled to the Tzemach Tzedek, and he said, in the town of Lubavitch, which was the headquarters of the Lubavitch movement, and he went directly to the Rebbe's house, and he asked for an urgent private meeting with the Rebbe. And sure enough, he was led into the Rebbe's holy room, and he burst into tears, and he related the entire story to the Rebbe. It doesn't make sense. This was so sudden, so spontaneous. I lost everything. When Chaim finished his story, the Rebbe paused for a moment, thought deeply, and then he took out a piece of paper and he wrote a letter. He placed the letter in an envelope and he wrote an address on it. Chaim looked at the address and he saw that it was addressed to a man who lives in his town by the name of Beryl. And he got very excited because in his town there was a very, very wealthy man whose name was Beryl, who was very influential, very prominent. And Chaim was sure that when Beryl received a letter from the Holy Rebbe, he will immediately help him. Chaim left the Rebbe's room excited with the assurance of the Rebbe's help and blessing, confident that there is now a plan that will take care of his terrible calamity. As Chaim was traveling home, he decided to take a closer look at that envelope, and all of a sudden, he saw something that made his heart sink. Yes, the Tzemach Tzedek, the Holy Rebbe, wrote the name Beryl on the envelope. But the truth is that in Chaim's town, the Tzemach Tzedek had two students, two Hasidim, both who had the name Beryl. One was rich and influential. He was a short man, a physical short stature, and he was referred to as their Kleine Beryl, which in Yiddish means the little Beryl, the short Beryl, while the other Beryl was a modest man, a poor man, a simple laborer. He lived at the edge of town, a little shack, and he was known as the Gracer Beryl because physically he was much bigger, which is why he found his job as being a porter and schlepping packages for people as they traveled. When Chaim first looked at the envelope when he left the private chambers of the Rebbe, he thought it said Beryl der Kleine, the wealthy Beryl. But now he looked closer and he saw who was addressed to Beryl der Gracer, Beryl the simple one. Chaim's first thought was, oh no, the Rebbe made a mistake. He intended to address my letter to the wealthy Beryl, to the influential Beryl, the one who could help me. But he knew he could not go back to the Rebbe's room because the Rebbe doesn't make any mistakes. But this doesn't make sense. He was confused, upset, and extremely worried. He decided to go back to the town of Lubavitch and reach out to one of the seven sons of the Rebbe and tell him the whole story and ask them if maybe they can intervene on his behalf and ask the Rebbe to fix the mistake. 
As soon as he shared the story with the son of the Tzemech Tzedek, he said, what are you talking about? My father does not make any mistakes. If he addressed the letter to that barrel, the poor barrel, it means he is the one you need to go to. Take my advice and immediately go back home and deliver the letter because that is where your salvation lies. Chaim realized he can't play around over here. This is what the Rebbe said. This is what you got to do. So he left Lubavitch and he set out straight to the home of the Grace Barrel, the tall barrel, the poor man, without having any idea how he could help him. He knocked on the door and he handed him the letter. Beryl read the letter and he read how the Rebbe is asking him to help Chaim out of his very difficult hardship. But he said, I don't know what I can do. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea what I could do to help you. But if the Rebbe said that you should come to me, the Rebbe knows something we don't know. Please stay here for the night and let's figure it out. Sure enough, he prepared a room for him and Chaim settled in. My friends, one day went by and then another and another. A full week went by, seven days. Chaim was starting to get even more worried. He's getting closer to the 30-day deadline to move out of the inn. What is he going to do? Everything seemed hopeless. But then, my friends, everything can turn around in just one moment. It was one evening, a strong wind was blowing, the skies opened, and there was a tremendous downpour of rain. The weather did nothing to improve Chaim's mood. He was wondering how his wife and children are doing as tears are rolling down his cheeks. He was devastated. He was broken. He was so sad and worried about the future. When suddenly, Chaim heard loud knocking at the front door. Help! Help! Please let me in! A voice was crying out. Beryl ran to the front door, opened it, and there was standing none other than the landlord himself. He was soaking wet, shivering, and blue from the cold. He begged to be allowed into the house and be protected from this crazy storm. As he was sitting there warming up with a hot drink by the fireplace and a warm blanket, the landlord related how he'd gone out earlier in the day hunting, but he became caught unaware by the violent storm. He was wandering in the cold for hours until he saw this house. Quickly, they kept on bringing him more hot drinks and hot soup and gave him a warm bed to warm up and rest up and recover. Three hours later, the landlord emerged from the, emerged from the room, feeling so much better. Color returned to his face. He stood there tall and he turned to Beryl as he was about to leave. And he said, I owe you my life. If not for you, I would have died in that bitter cold. I want to reward you. Ask me for anything and I will gladly fulfill your request. Beryl, still shocked at what has transpired, looked at the landlord without waiting even a second. And he said, I have one request, but it's a bit difficult. Will you do anything? Yes, said the landlord, anything. You saved my life. So Beryl turned and said, there's one thing you can do for me. I have a dear friend named Chaim. He is an innkeeper who finds himself in great trouble. A few weeks ago, you told him that he has to leave the inn within 30 days. The greatest reward you can do for me is allow him to stay for eternity. The landlord, without hesitating for a moment, looked at Beryl and said, Consider it done. Not only can he remain in the inn, but for the next three years, he will have the inn for free. And quickly, Beryl grabbed a pen and paper. And sure enough, the landlord wrote down on the document his promise. He signed it and he handed it to him. 
that moment Chaim walked into the room. The poets were shocked to see Chaim standing in this house. And he braced and he said, Chaim, did you hear the good news? This inn is yours forever. Plus three months, three years, free rent. At that point, Chaim could not believe what's happening. But he gathered his wits together and he looked at the landlord and he said, I have one question for you, honorable landlord, before you leave. Tell me, what happened? This question has been bothering me every day since the moment you called me to your chambers. Why did you want me to leave? Was I not an honest and good tenant? I paid you on time for years. What transpired so suddenly? The landlord's answer was shocking. My friends, are you ready for this? To tell you the truth, said the landlord, you are a perfect tenant. It was never my idea to ask you to leave. But you see, I have a friend, his name is also Beryl. He goes by the short Beryl. I borrowed a lot of money from him recently because I was running into some challenges with some of my business investments. So I really needed the money desperately. And when I borrowed the money, he said to me that he's going to give it to me on one condition. He has a brother-in-law who needs a job and he would like to take your place. He said to me that if I don't give the in that you have to his brother-in-law, he will make my business suffer and not give me the money that I needed so badly. I had no idea. It wasn't my idea. It was the idea of Beryl. The other Beryl, he told me to evict you. But now I'm so happy that my life was shaved and I realized that I made a big mistake. You are a loyal tenant. I'm changing my mind and letting you remain in the inn. And with those words, the pirates, the landlord stormed out and left as Chaim looked at Beryl in the eyes and said, wow, now I know what Bittachon really means. Everything seemed bleak. Everything seemed the worst. It seemed like the Rebbe made a mistake. But truthfully, it's a miracle that I came to you and not to the other Beryl who was the cause of all my problems. My friends, let go, let God, and you will see incredible miracles appear in your own life.